This is brutal power. Wrapped in an elegant machine. Welcome back, darling. Kingston Town can't win. He got checked, the champ. It's going to get desperate. But a champion becomes a legend. From, from, from the card leave in the pool. Gate holders months ago. Here he comes. Boom, right over the top. What an outstanding racehorse. Brother Bush, it is 15 lands clear. She'll have to pogo stick over the field to win from there. Strike me pinky, thread at the eye of the needle. Can he stay up? He's stayed all closing time. This could be set up for something special. Cassidy had the pull to whip. This is coming again. Welcome to the Racing Sports in the Office review show. We're going to try and keep these short and sweet because we feel uh, they can get a bit boring. Everyone saw what happened on the weekend. We can't. We're just going to try and add a little bit more to it. Who was the highest rated horse of the weekend here, Blanks? Do you want to have a guess? <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> uh, it was um, Marabi. We're going with Marabi. We'll back Matt Hill in. We'll back Matt Hill in. That's a, that's a good bet. I would say, yeah, Marabi winning the Australia Stakes, so no surprises there. Ran to a time form rating of 118, which is um, a little bit better than what she'd done up to that point. She'd she'd run 115 a couple of times, so no, it was a it was a big win. It looked pretty, and pretty much everything everything you could possibly look at race standards, the time, the you know, everything basically said, yep, it looked it looked pretty. It was pretty. So, yeah, you um, could see a sprint, which is always exciting. Yeah, no, she went. Um, she went really, really well, and I think it'll be a really good form race as well. So she's she's got the best rating in the race, and I think there's some behind her who didn't run up to that level on the day, but um, just they will in in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. A, a couple of them, the second horse in particular, Sinawan, was Your was boy. terrific. There would be um, very few people out there. The eyes guys, the believe your eyes boys, loved it. They are gonna love it. So. Um, yeah, good luck to them, and to Cinnamon. It's a good horse, and lightsaber. I was you know, thought he ran he ran really really well. One hundred nine there, which is I think one hundred fifteen back in the spring in in the Guineas. So he's um, and it hasn't been a good race for Mood, so that's good. No, we saw that he had a few few odds on favourites flown in that moment of change. Who from vague memory was a might have been a bad ride. I can't remember exactly. Dissident got beaten. Typhoon Tracy got beaten at both at, at odds on. There's some good horses. Yeah, three headlines. Some, some good horses getting knocked off there. And lightsaber is as good as none of them. No, but he's a um, nice yeah, he's horse. a he's a really nice horse. He'd be and he's he's formed before this. Said he was pretty obviously better. Fourteen hundred miles. So um, he's he's right on track. So I think yeah, Cinnamon lightsaber in particular come out of this looking pretty good to my eye. And, and obviously the winner's the one who was. There to run the big figure and, and on the day and, and win it. And she's a high-rating winner of the race. She'll go to the Oakley Plate. I think looking at it from the weekend, the highest-rated horses in it were 108. She re- disregard what she was going into You mean it. Bent, like the official handicap? Yeah. Right? So in terms of going to the Oakley Plate, Brad Bishop wrote a story on our site today about it. I think she's probably going to be rated 108, you'd imagine. The Inferno will be 111 top weight, although... It's always tricky because you're not really sure. I thought he would be lightning new market, but inter- Inferno, yeah, because the current market's got a six to four home affairs second pick eight dollars. He's millions to run in the Oakley Plate. Extreme Warrior, not sure where he's at. I tell you what, I'd I'd have a dollar at the millions. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you might be able to lay it off. No, actually, I'm, I mean, how hard is James lobbying for it to run in the Oakley Plate? Good three year old race. Stay out of Nature Strip's way, boss. You'll just go to the new market though. That's what I mean. You go Oakley Plate New Market and stay out of stay out of Nature Strip's way. 
I think he is lightning. They said this morning he was. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be. I mean, that should be where he goes. Yeah. But I think, yeah, she's going to get in. I think if she's rated, we off her performance on the weekend have her around 111, 112. So if she gets less than that, which I think she will, she's probably going to be. Again, you're talking about the official handicap there. Yeah, yeah, official handicap. The one that. You confuse people with a numbers soup. Sorry, sorry. Don't. She ran to 118 time form and you think her rating, the handicap rating. Well, put it this way, it doesn't really matter because the the handicapper won't be what beats her in Oakley Plate. No. You mentioned this morning with her, the 1200 was better for her. She was able to sort of not find her feet, but it was better to allow her to build. Do you see the 1100 as an issue? I mean, it's always a scramble. So, yeah, that's she was able to flow over the 1200 on, on Saturday against horses that she's just faster than through the middle there. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a nice scenario for her that she might not get an Oakley plate where they have to scramble, but she's she's fast. I mean, that's a bigger niggle. That would be a bigger concern than, than anything the handicapper does, I think. But I don't think it's going to matter with the weight. No, it won't matter. Yeah, they're not going to give her what she deserves, so... She'll be well placed in that, and hard I mean, to who beat. Know, who knows what goes there? But I'm sure it will be. I'm sure racing will be the real winner, as it always is. Indeed. Now, who was your biggest disappointment of the weekend? My biggest disappointment. Mm. So I think we go to Sydney for this, and I know that. Um, well, the expressway was a. I don't know how to describe it. What's the word to describe it? It looks so so going in away from him. Mm, it did, and it comes out looking... Well, the winner's got a really nice profile and, and won well. So I don't want to be too negative about him. You know, everyone wants to talk about track bias and, and such, so that's obviously potentially played some role in the, in the outcome of the race, so the form could flip on its head. You'd almost expect it to flip on its head in, in a couple of weeks away from a, a six-metre rail at Rose Hill. So, But the biggest, I mean, the... You're going to say Animo was the biggest disappointment of the weekend. I would say Tiger of Malay as a technical. <laughs> I mean, he technically is, right? He yeah, ran, a, he ran an ran absolute worse. shocker and he's he's run further from his best than Animo has run from his. But Animo, I mean, put away the, the maths of it all for a second and, and ignore that Tiger of Malay was, was worse. Animo's the headline horse and he's the one we expected plenty of. And he's probably a bit more controversial because a lot of people would go, ah, oh, the... Pattern of the day against, and it's a big run, but I kind of look at it and I think he split Forbidden Love and Bellucci Babe, so he's basically split a couple of listed fillies. And for you want him to be the best horse in Australia, that's um, you got to do a lot better than split a couple of listed fillies. I don't care what's against you. It's true. So he's disappointing. Yeah, uh, from time form perspective, he's ran 111, which is his worst rating since the Blue Diamond. Yeah, he probably even outran that in the Blue Diamond, did he? Yeah, so I think if you... Hadn't watched any races at Rose Hill when you came in on Monday morning and you did the ratings. He's embarrassed himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think... I was saying that to you this morning. I mean, you, you, you either subscribe to the... There was a really, really big bias there and it was insurmountable or you know, if, you, if you're not buying into the... If you're not the you know waving placards about the bias, then you, you've got to say Animo was disappointing, right? If the track was fine, I mean, it should be just... If there was blowing re- them to bits, right? I mean, how good's the highway winner gone? If the bias is real, I can't remember the highway. Yeah, it's that wide. That kicks off before lunch these days. I can't get going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that I often bet in the highway, but yeah, I don't. There was obviously some. I mean, when is it not advantageous to be fencing run on a firm track at Rose Hill? 
Yeah. Yeah. So to be honest, it played pretty straight in that sense. If you expect it differently, that's, I guess. The pattern of the race is there when it is like that. And the, it's the last two meetings there were those two Wednesday meetings in the spring and they the pattern and the, the shape of the races and the way they were run and won was very similar. So in that sense, yes, it, it was predictable. You mentioned today the Rail 6, They you talk about the race shape. Do you want to go into that a little bit more? They finished really Sounds, fast. It could make for boring no, no. So boring radio, boring podcasting. Give it a go. Potentially. Well, we I don't have to do it again. The, what they do is they run really fast home and the, the finishing speeds are really quick. And if they're really quick home, those horses that get to you know zing home like that and run, you know, they're breaking 33 in some of those races. They're really fast home. Well, there's no resistance for those horses. So they're not coming back. So it, it's the racing isn't hard enough. And so the margins are all compressed and it's really hard to make a, a dent. So... That makes Animo look a lot better. Remember Winks doing that a few times where the you know the margin you know she looked like it was it's going to get desperate and it did a few times. I mean one of them because you bombed the start, but a couple other times when they were on those really quick tracks when Red Excitement took off and yeah. it's hard for even though she's a much better horse, it's hard to put those margins on. It's the same thing that happens in Hong Kong, yeah, where they, those margins are compressed and you need to treat them a little bit differently. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah less resistance, yeah less resistance. So you could get technical. You could go down the technical path, and you could you could start to to make a bigger case for Animo's closing burst being better than it looks, just stuffed into to normal every everyday models, I think. But even still, I would say it's on the. I wouldn't say it's a massive disappointment. I still say it's a touch underwhelming. Touch, yeah. touch. But then didn't he? Apparently, you know, the the rumor goes that he, he paraded terribly and paraded terribly. Yeah, he, he obviously needed the run, and this isn't his grand final. He's with a good stable, and we know we've got several ratings that say he's better than this. So, do you I don't think it don't read too much into it, right? Yeah. I don't think it really matters. In the sense, I like, mean, it's one piece of information. It's an interesting piece of information. He he might have run slightly below his best here. He'll improve next time. We'll see again. Yeah. I mean, if they ran the same field in two weeks' time. I don't think the market's any different. He probably jumps shorter for getting beat. Yeah, I mean, in the same scenario. Yeah, with the same situation and everything, or just they've just. I know, like it's in. It'll be second up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the the market will be pretty forgiving. Yeah, I don't think, as in the sense, I don't think there's going to be. I think we're not. He's got beat, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to provide us with a you know a really good betting opportunity. The one, the betting opportunity was on the weekend. <laughs> no, the Animo cat is out of the bag. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for, to be honest, the price I bet on the weekend I thought was a betting opportunity and he's gone down a length and has been very disappointing in my eyes. So probably look back on this and go, what a bet to beat Forbidden Love Overpass. And no knock on, actually, I don't want to put Overpass in the same category because I think he was a bit stiff last time in and, you know, well-ridden Tim Clark almost won our Colin Murakawa Award, which Jockey flushed it this weekend. He was an honourable mention, but do you want to announce our first ever, the inaugural? Well, I'm actually, I've just realised I'm a little bit, are we, this is Sydney, is this a Sydney Award? Oh, well, I mean, who cares what happens in Melbourne? Some of us do. I mean, according, <laughs> I mean, according to Ollie, none of their races are run well anyway. Well, there was one that was run absolutely perfectly on the weekend and it fits a rant and rave that I've been on for a while, so I'm going to mention it. But the... um. Venkis and Karen McAvoy get the award for being the um, the most beautifully timed out horse and the most efficiently ridden horse at Rose Hill on Saturday. So well done to well done to Kieran. Didn't win. Didn't win. Didn't place. Did you run a place? I think you ran a place. Ran a place. Ran fourth. I think you might have run third. Tell you what. Where? Uh, I think it was the last. With the um, 
with a less efficient ride. Certainly doesn't run a place. No, definitely not. He's run. Ah, he's run third. He snatched third. That's how good that ride was. No, it was perfect. He used that used that horse really well. Honourable mention to Hugh Bowman as well on the bopper, who went down behind Rule of Law, who virtually flushed it in front. So at Moody Valley. Yeah, who? Tell, I mean, you want to tell us? Absolutely yeah. perfectly ridden for pace and even pace, gentleman Roy, under Luke Nolan, oh. who had one ride for the day again. Your man. One ride turns up. Wins the Colin Morikawa Award. Absolute gem of a ride. Made it look... I mean, these are... I like to give these rides an award because they're never going to win the golf clubs. No. Because they just, they're too simple. But that's what they say genius is. Making the difficult look simple. And he did... He made that... You know, he's on the best horse. You go sit outside the lead and you win. Ah, it's easy. But the timing of the way he moved that horse through the race, brilliant. Good for him. You've really been... Do you think he's going to start getting more rides? You'd- I think it must be a weight thing, right? I haven't even bothered to like hunt down the story. Yeah, but I mean, if he's you know, if they were distributing rides based on output, he'd be getting a hell of a lot more good rides than he's he's getting Luke Nolan because he's um riding really well. Yeah, he's smashing it. He's smashing it. We should also mention Caitlin Jones went over to um the Mayday, and I was just doing the splits just before we came on here, and she smashed it over there on he's a bolter and passed the fell and got both of them to run. He's a bolter ran 103 over there and was rated 102 going there, so she got. Out Everything of out of him and only just missed. It's a shame. It would have been nice if she had have got some reward for effort. And then um, Passfell ran 107 behind a really good winner in Man of Promise. And if you look at the horses that were in the shake-up there, she actually rode Passfell more evenly than than the jockeys around her. Some big guns there as well. So, um, yeah, down the down the maiden straight, she did a fantastic job. And nice little international form line there with Passfell. Ran to 107 and he'd run 105 behind Marabai. Start before that. So there's a little bit of... Um, I mean, it's only one data point, right? But it's um, there's a little bit of Marabai on the world stage to say that she is Legit. as good. She's as good as we. And said one data point, but we've got millions of others. Um, yep, yeah, she's that good. And the Taylor Pendriff Award, the reverse flusher. Have yeah. you got one in Melbourne? So the most inefficient ride, and I feel like this stable is going to be a. Uh, <laughs> They're going to be a frequent. They are going to win themselves some Taylor Pendrith. <laughs> Taylor Pendrith, by the way, is a Canadian golfer whose um, strokes gained approach is the worst from the 150 best on the tour. He drives it well, though, he doesn't he? Apparently, he drives it really well, but he's um he can't. He's approach game. Oh boy, similar to what you see from us yeah, on he, a Sunday. He's he's no good with an iron in his hand. So um, yeah, Shakespeare was behind Russo though there in farcical race where it all just I mean gee whiz, and then. Ollie got all the plaudits for, for taking off when he did, but he almost had no option. No. And Russo's yeah. pulling the arms out of his shoulders and he's... Um, Shout out to Wayne Bristow. Owner of. Owner of. Leviathan owner of. The could, mighty Russo. Could hear him cheering from Rose Hill. Mm. And he, I mean, it was a, a good ride. And given how slowly they went, he smashed them. He put a good margin on them. But wowee, there were some shocking rides in that race. And Shakespeare was really inefficiently ridden and probably goes somewhere and wins something similar next time, I would say. Because one thing, we'll pot... You know, we'll laugh about how inefficiently a lot of Paddy Payne's horses are ridden, but how they actually finish off is no laughing matter. Like, they are just powerhouses. Savaging the line. Oh, I mean, he might be the best preparer of racehorses in the country. Been saying that for a long time. I know. And tactically, oh boy. Although maybe maybe those tactics are what help him to prepare them the way they do. I don't know. I don't know. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you've – I love the stable. Just but a, you, you've just got to grit your teeth and, and be prepared to cop a few. Just a few pairs closer. 
You're not asking for much. Just let the horse run evenly or even close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the award in Sydney went to Reese Jones on Omaji, which was the fastest like 600 of the day and was absolutely launching. The surprise to me about that race, that was the Wairiri Falls race, is that by this stage I feel like, like even me who chooses to largely ignore any talk of track bias or, or whatever, even me in my desperation to ignore it, had to concede by this point that there's something there's something there's there. something there right and yeah. I suppose there's a bit of an expectation because the rails in the six and blah 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 so and then you've got a fair few results there that are sort of saying yeah it's happening again like this is it's playing the way it plays right this is a thing and then they finish at 110 percent of finish uh, of race speed in that race like they've walked and sprinted what why because <laughs> when you why wa- would they go so slow when you're watching it live. It looked like J-Max just pulled off the ride. They're just, you know, they're walking in, not sorry, they're flying in front, Canasta, Holyfield, and J-Max just tracking them in third. He's going to get the cold drop on them. And what a ride. But I suppose he's sitting there thinking, I've got these covered. And so it's actually not a bad ride from him, I suppose, because he's he's riding the race, right? So he's like, okay, even if they were going too slow, he's like, I'm going to out-sprint you. And he did. So, you know, he walks away. Okay, that's fine. I mean, if his was a bad ride, how about the ones behind him? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, as in he's. I just uh, understand yeah. how a race can be run like that when, you know, they always talk about oh, or you talk about like when's the reverse bias coming? So when's the like okay? <laughs> when do they overdo it? All right, we're three or four races in, and the you know the press box is all you know, chirping in the jockey's ears. You know they are yeah. chirping in the jockey's ears about you got to you got to lead, you got to be on the fence, blah blah blah, and you're like, geez, they're gonna they're gonna go crazy here, and then instead they go, yeah, wow, the, this was um. Well, I reckon if you're watching it, I mean, this is a thing. I mean, for me, jockey's timing in the way they're able to do it is amazing, really. Yeah. Like, that's all feel, essentially. They've so, got each other. It, it kind of would work like wisdom of the crowds because they've got each other for reference points. Yeah. That's why, that's why I like... like I, I play off you, he plays off you, he plays off you, and we largely, as a group, we sort of... All our mistakes cancel out and we get it roughly right most of the time. Yeah. That's why when the big jocks go in away on carnival time. Oh, it's not good. Yeah, you get some funky funky race shapes when the when the big guys who probably lead. So I reckon they've jumped out. Cuz the thing is there was margins in this race in terms of from the leader even though they've gone so slow. So Canasta yeah. and Holyfield have gone out. J-Max got the trail. Yeah. They're probably all out the back thinking, "Oh, they're humming in front." Yeah. Like the perception yeah. would have the perception was all out in this race. They look like they're flying. That's true. I mean, it it, it always does seem a bit harsh to um. How easy is it on a Monday? Yeah, when you're just sitting in a seat looking at spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, these guys are hopeless. <laughs> so I do, I get it, but at the same time, I mean, we're punters. We can we can have some fun. Yeah, we can have some fun and uh, oh, Mudgy, wow, that was a shocker. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not one of the best. And our final award of the day. The Bruce McAvaney Award. That is just so exciting. Who is your exciting horse to follow? Aren't you awarding the exciting horse? It's out your way. I was going to, well, I'll tell you what, I did mean, I was going to mention a couple. So, wow, this one's almost a reverse. Behemoth ran 106 first up in Adelaide. So this is a bit of a round the grounds, really. Round the than, grounds. Rather than, because um, I know you've got a exciting one. I've got that you one. you want to talk about. But I've got one. Behemoth ran 106 first up in Adelaide for a bit of a round the grounds, which is, down on what he usually runs in that. I mean, he always has that kickoff run in Adelaide. He's in those races. He's gone like when he's gone in and won the Memsey, He's run 113. I think that'd be the Spring Stakes. Yeah. 
He's run that a couple of times, 113, 113, two years in a row, and he ran 116, I think, in this race last year, beating Kemal Passa before running fourth in the Futurity, third in the Futurity, third in the All-Star Mile. That was an awesome run, the All-Star Mile, too, because it was a mile's probably stretching, stretching. him and it, and it got real heavy. So um, he was he was really brave in that. But he'd run 116 in the Adelaide warm-up and 106, beaten by Kemal Passa, who's not really – if you look at Kemal Passa's history, he's – um. For starters, he was zero three versus Behemoth before Saturday, and he's um, Kemal Passer is usually more around that sort of hundred and five six first up, and then he gets better. But Behemoth is usually a bit better than that. So um, I mean, he did get sausage rolled at a dollar thirty. Yeah, yeah. So maybe oh, we he should was, go back yeah. to a bit, the disappointment of the week. Yeah, it must be Behemoth. I forgot. Behemoth. I forgot about that. I um, I actually forgot the race was on on Saturday. I didn't watch it. They don't. I have the Channel Seven on now. Oh, it's too they, good, isn't it? They don't pitch out to Adelaide though. No. I actually missed it, but um. I didn't miss it on the figures this morning when I thought, hmm, hmm. Where's he at? Yeah, a little bit like Animo. I mean, you don't want to go crazy off one run where he's, it's not his grand final, but at the same time you go, gee, you're usually a bit better than that. Is it? Um, I'm less worried about Improve Animo. a lot next time or then I'm going bang, alarm bells. Yeah. And the other one, the interesting one kicking off was over in more around the grounds, over to Trentham for the Thorndon Mile and the Chosen One ran 114, winning the, the Group 1 Mile over there. So he's a he's known as a stayer over here, but he's... um. He did run 111 in the fee and first up in the spring there, so he's a, only a little bit better than that. He ran 114 in the Herbert Power and, and the Melbourne Cup as well, but he's run 114 there. He did run 115 at Flemington at the start of what was his best prep. So he ran 115, beating that German thing of Hickmott's Django Freeman. And then he ran third in a Corporate Cup, fourth in a Melbourne Cup, and was a you know that was his his best prep. Usually when he's kicked off these Sydney Cup preps, he's run 107 behind Advantage and 107 last year as well. So he's been a he's kicked off as if he might be back for one of his really big preps. He's ready, and even his cold preps, he's been competitive in Sydney Cup. I think he ran second in a Sydney Cup and fourth in a Sydney Cup or something. So so expect to see him. Expect to see him, and I assume he'll be tankered Sydney Cup. And I think. Tankreds are probably he's always going to find a couple too good for him in a Tankred, and that probably won't change. I wouldn't think if Haggis brings that Alasi thing down here, well, Shh. He's, in, he's in big trouble. But um, <laughs> but he's he's clearly back in in terrific order, and he's um, I mean, how good's that stable? Anyway, that's so he can be my uh, my. I mean, he's your exciting horse of the future. Yeah, exciting horse for the future is nine year old veteran of. 16 cups, the chosen one. But what a great horse he is. For a great stable too. I Your tr- exciting horse? I tried to find, do you remember, the t- was it a TVN ad? Painting the glass, there's one for the future. Yeah. I tried to find yeah. that. I couldn't find it. That was uh, unfortunate. But no, I think... She wasn't one for the future either, by the way, from memory. <laughs> no, she wasn't. I think... Usually you edit those things up to make yourself look good. What were they doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think with... Uh, He's won five from six, so it's not. If you follow WA racing, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the horse Tricks of the Trade, but he sort of won three of his first four and then returned at Ascot on the 15th of Jan and went enormous. Um, really high rating, 108, and the time said it was a little bit better than that. He absolutely gapped him. And I remember rating it that high and sort of like, you know, Kui Jetsimo, that's, a, you know, that's better than the Guineas winner. So pretty much he was bang. Uh, the best three-year-old in Perth off an open three-year-old, which is unusual. And then obviously wasn't on my own because he went around at $1.20 yesterday at the feature at Pinjarra on the Scarp side. New track, so we don't actually have any standards to work with. So in terms of the time, but they look to 
it seems that you walk and they sprint home uh, at the new track. But again, not a lot to work with. But he's run a figure of 109. And looking at the history of the race, that has him at the top of the tree. And horses that have run well in this have come over east and performed well. So I'm not sure if they are playing to head east with him. But if he did, I'd he'd be one to follow for sure. Cool. And that wraps us up. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was just thinking while you were, while you were rattling that off there, parting shot as horses to follow because the chosen one, you're right, he's maybe a little bit tired. Although he's exciting to me. But um, real world did absolutely smash them up and run deep 120s at Dubai on Friday night and Saeed will win the Cox Plate with that. 